Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. Remember, you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org for links to all of these stories. Let's go to our first of the week. X marks the spot in New York. Reuters reported that the New York State Legislature has passed a bill allowing a non-binary X marker on state driver's licenses. They joined several other jurisdictions in doing so, and just in time for Pride Month. X markers help non-binary people by not having to pick a male or female marker. They are also sometimes used by trans folks and intersex individuals for different reasons. IDs, in turn, are essential for accessing health services and to avoid discrimination and violence during uh, ID checks and similar situations. So this is a great move and one uh, that will really improve health and safety for a lot of New Yorkers. Next up, neighborhood cohesion and sexual risk. A study led by Dustin Duncan of Black Sexual Minority Men in the South found that those who perceived low levels of neighborhood social cohesion had higher use of sexual risk factors, including alcohol use before or during sex, and condomless sex with casual partners. Religious beliefs and practices also made a difference in some of these factors. The authors suggest that neighborhood factors and mobilization be considered in addressing HIV. Elsewhere in Southern news, we have our next story, trans folks in the South face challenges. NBC News reported on the issues facing trans people in that region. Half of the violent deaths of trans people this year have happened in the South, and advocates believe this is explained by a lack of anti-discrimination protections, uh, by a presence of anti-LGBT legislation, high levels of poverty, and more in the region. Trans people of color have also been coming together throughout the region to support each other, including with essentials such as finding stable housing, which is really great to see the communities um, supporting each other, although obviously we'd like to see more support and less opposition uh, from the governments there. And our next story, online interactions and youth health. A new study by Randolph Chan found that among sexual minority young adults, exposure to heterosexism online was linked to health, with heightened expectations of rejection causing health impacts when such exposures occurred. The association between online heterosexism and mental health was stronger among young adults than than were in-person encounters with heterosexism. And I think that's really interesting, that for younger folks, the online interactions were were more powerful than the in-person encounters, and that was not the case for their older sexual minority peers. Definitely a, a kind of generation uh, generational gap there, which you know probably has to do with just changing use of, of technology, where people exchange information, where people communicate, and all of those types of factors. The results suggest the need for coping and confrontation strategies for young queer adults navigating virtual spaces. And our next story, Evaluating LGBT MD Curricula. A team at Boston University studied what medical students should know about LGBT health and developed a curriculum assessment tool based on this. 
Medical schools can use the tool to assess what they are getting right about LGBT health education and what they still need to improve. Such education is a recent addition to most medical schools and curricula, including the amount of time they devote to the topic, vary widely. This is a story that we've covered a few times here on the podcast and in our blog, um, just looking at, you know, some leading medical schools really delving deeper into this topic um, with more robust curricula, because um, previously, you know, I believe there was some research showing that the amount of time spent on this in medical school was very, very low on average. Um, so it's it's great to see this kind of a development where now there's a tool to help provide some, um, maybe not uniformity, but at least uh, some kind of, of metric and um, comparability between schools as they work on improving this type of education. And in our final story of the week, Blinken urges inclusion. The AP reported that U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has urged world leaders to make sure HIV services are getting to LGBT communities in their countries, as well as to other populations that face a disparate impact of the virus. Secretary Blinken argued that global HIV goals can't be reached if the most affected populations do not have their human rights recognized and are not legally protected from discrimination. Obviously, it's it's very hard to come forward for services if you feel like you're going to be discriminated against or maybe even put in prison, um, you know, through outing yourself. Uh, and I think in general, you know, study after study has always shown that people are less likely to see, uh, seek services if they feel like they're not welcome. So, um, you know, a lot of countries have committed to ending HIV, uh, but, you know, there there isn't necessarily the follow-through there in terms of helping to reach the, the people who need it the most. So I think this was a really... Uh, important and interesting statement for him to make. Well, that brings us to the end of another edition of our podcast. Uh, Don't forget that you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org to find links to all those stories if you want to read them for yourselves. And of course, tune in next week for another edition of our podcast.